The following sermon is by Dr. Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Josh. I am still very much a kid at heart, and so in 2015, on the ABC Network channel, I was watching the 50th anniversary of Charlie Brown Christmas with great joy. (laughs) And as I was watching it, they spliced a lot of celebrities in the year 2015 to comment on the special, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and introduce us to it again. At that time, the President of the United States was President Barack Obama. And he and his wife, Michelle, were asked to be part of the interview to introduce Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm quoting them directly. I thought about playing it as a YouTube video so you would know that I'm quoting them directly, but you can Google it later. Michelle Obama said, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, and the rest of the gang teach us the true meaning of Christmas. And at that moment, in my couch, I leaned forward. The President of the United States is about to tell me the true meaning of Christmas. And here, word for word, is what President Barack Obama said. They, that is, Charlie Brown, Lucy, and Linus, teach us that the tiny trees just need a little love. (laughs) And I thought, epic fail. (laughs) That is actually not at all what Christmas is about, nor is it what Linus and the rest of the gang tell us Christmas is about, even in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And so in preparation for this brief talk this evening, I googled the exact dialogue of the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Here's what happens. Charlie Brown says, I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. And then in desperation, Charlie Brown cries, isn't there anybody who knows what Christmas is all about? And if you know the special, at that moment on the stage, Linus walks to the center. And Linus says this, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And a spotlight comes on and everything else is dark. And here's what Linus says. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And then Linus turns to Charlie Brown and says, That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Now, I'm not sure if our former president and his wife have ever even seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special (laughs) that they were asked to comment on. But Linus was right. The angel was right. Christmas is about this truth. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.10 says this in the old King James. I bring you good tidings. Now those two words in English are trying to capture one word in Greek. The Greek word is euangelion. Um, there was a thousand years where the only Bible available to you was the Latin Vulgate. And that's where we got the word evangel. 
That's uh, actually why we named our daughter Evangeline. It means good news. Maybe you've heard the word evangelist or evangelical. They're all trying to capture the same word. Actually, if we translated it literally, here's what the angel would say. Fear not, for behold, I bring you gospel of great joy, which shall be to all people. You see, this is the first declaration of the gospel in Luke's gospel in the New Testament. The angel's telling us the gospel. And here's what the gospel is. In a phrase, in verse 11, here's the gospel. A Savior who is Christ, who is the Lord. This is the reason for good news. In fact, the best news. And if you don't believe me, just ask Linus from Charlie Brown. (laughs) God's gospel is the best good news that anyone has ever heard. And if you're rehearing it tonight, it's the best good news you could ever rehear. But do you understand why? It's the best good news. You see, the verse says, this is good news for all people. A Savior, Christ the Lord. Do you know why the gospel is such good news? Because all people need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Everyone needs a Savior because all of us actually are sinful people who deserve punishment that is just Now, I know that's not a warm and fuzzy thing to say around Christmas. (laughs) And believe me, if there was a way to avoid it without giving you the truth, I would. But the good news isn't good news unless you know the truth of why you need it so badly. So let me pause for a minute. Normally at this point, someone objects. Josh, I'm not a bad person. I don't need to be saved from anything. I'm a good person. Now, Romans 3.23 says it directly. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But let me make sure that I try to explain this to you in a way you understand. Do you see wrong in others? Have you ever considered the possibility that there's a perfect being who sees wrong in you? Is there anyone in the world right now who is doing something you don't think they should be doing? If so, imagine a perfect being who sees you with even greater clarity Perhaps your flaws are even crisper in his vision. Also, do you really think that you've never done anything wrong? Should we interview those who know you well? (laughs) Do you really think that a perfect being could find zero flaws in you? If there's a perfectly wise and perfectly just and completely righteous, all-knowing creator God, and he never disagreed with you about anything, would that make sense, really? No, in reality, we all are bad people. Now, this is where we go further. And the second objection I usually hear is this. All right, Josh, you got me. I've made a few mistakes, but I'm not as bad as other people, or I'm not as bad as I used to be. I've improved a lot. Let me help us understand that one. Maybe you think, well, I'm not that bad because I do a lot of good things. All right, imagine you're going on vacation. Perhaps you're going out of state or out of country. And you pay some college students to watch your house and feed your pets in your absence. And when you come home after vacation, you find out your fish is dead, your cat is dead, your dog is dead. And there are markings all throughout the house that evidently show many parties have damaged the structure of your home. And you stand staring these college students in the face, confronting them with what has happened in your absence. And they look at you, and perhaps say this in front of a local judge as well, hey, but we mowed the lawn. And last summer, I volunteered at a youth camp. 
you would say, neat, that has no relevancy on the death of my pets or the damage of my home. When people say, yes, maybe I've done some bad things, but I've done a lot of good things too. Don't you understand that those good things have no relevancy or bearing on the fact that you are guilty of doing bad? In fact, James 2 verse 10 says it this way, if someone tries to keep the whole law but breaks it or offends it in one point, they're guilty of all. Imagine you're the college student standing before the judge telling them that you mowed the lawn, but then you find out that the people who paid you to watch their home have a security system, and they play the video footage of you neglecting the pets and partying in the home. You see, the video footage serves a purpose. It shows that you are inarguably guilty. Now, the Bible says this. It says that God's law are a mirror, a reflection that show us clearly who we really are. They show that God is clearly holy and good, but they show us that we are actually sinful and in need. And that leaves us in a position where we need to be saved because the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Now, again, you might think, okay, fine. I've done some bad things. Maybe my good doesn't outweigh my bad, but I know there are people who are worse than me out there. This is my first year in North Carolina. I've lived in the North normally. So normally at this point, I have snow covering my yard, and I don't have to worry about it. But just this week, I've been raking leaves again. I don't know how many leaves you can rake. <laughs> I have enough acorns that I could start a ball pit in the backyard. I don't know what to do with them. But as I keep raking them week after week after week and putting them in bag after bag that I'm running out of, I, I'm a weird person. And so I was imagining how the leaves would be interacting with each other. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But very few people know Romans 3.22, which ends this way. For there is no distinction. Now here's how my imaginative mind works. I picture bagging up these leaves and one leaf saying to the other leaf, Ha! You have more dirt on you than I do. I'm cleaner than you are. And then the other leaf responding to that leaf and saying, Well, we're both in the same bag and we're both about to be incinerated. So who cares? See, Romans 3 says there is no distinction and all have sinned. So if you're thinking, I'm not as bad as him, I'm not as bad as her, the only way that we can be with God is not based on a standard against each other, but a standard of God himself. The standard is not us. The standard is God. Are you starting to feel why it's such good news that Christ is a savior of sinners? See, all of us stand in desperate need of someone to rescue us, to forgive us, to free us. And that is why the angels were so excited to share good tidings of great joy. Because there is a Savior, and He is Christ, and He is the Lord. The only way to respond to that is gratitude. The angels themselves, who aren't even in on the salvation, yell out glory to God in the highest. But when the shepherds hear it, they show us how you respond in a way that allows you to receive the salvation that Christ has come to give. If you have your Bible in front of you, in Luke 2, I'm going to pick up here now in verse 15. The shepherds show us how we should respond, and you can listen if you don't have your Bible, that's fine. By running from where they were before Jesus and now running to Jesus. 
Running from who you were before Jesus, that's repentance. Running to Jesus, that's faith. Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go to Jesus as it's been made known to us, meaning the word of the Lord. Let us respond to God's word correctly, which is what we all must do even tonight. And notice the verse continues, verse 16. They went with haste. They ran. They couldn't wait to get there. And so is the case of anyone who realizes that there is a Savior who can rescue them. So now verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known. You know, Romans 10, verse 9 tells us, if you believe in your heart, is the last part of the verse, but if you believe in your heart, you will confess with your mouth. Everyone who knows the Lord declares the Lord. And that is what the shepherds do too in verse 17. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them. One beggar is telling other beggars where to find bread. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They heard the word of Jesus. They responded to the salvation in Jesus and they shared the salvation in Jesus. So like Linus and Charlie Brown, this is what Christmas is about. And this evening at Emmanuel, I would hate if you came to a Christmas program and didn't learn how to be saved, because that's why Jesus came. So there isn't a better thing I can tell you than this wonderful news. There is a Savior. His name is Christ, and He is the Lord. Is He yours? Is He your Savior? Is He your Christ? Is He your Lord? John 3 says it about as memorably as anywhere in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This evening, be sure that you believe in the Savior who is Christ the Lord. Faith doesn't mean you have everything figured out and you understand everything perfectly. It doesn't mean you have all grasp of all interconnections, but it means that you know enough to know who you need and how to commit to them. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark, but it's enough knowledge to commit on what you know about someone. Faith is not an achievement. It's an acceptance of someone else's achievement. It's not a work. It's trust in somebody else's work. But faith saves because the work that the person did, Jesus, is finished and full. The Savior was born, the Savior lived, and He lived sinlessly, unlike us. The Savior died, and he died instead of us if we believe in him. He took our punishment. And the Savior rose victoriously. So this evening, we have paused to say joy was anticipated. And joy arrived. And joy should be celebrated. Joy has come in Jesus. Have you now come to Jesus to receive that joy? Let me close in prayer.
Dear God, what a sad thing that we might approach Christmas and think that tiny trees need a little love as our major takeaway. Let our major takeaway always be what the angels announced, that there is good news of great joy, that there is a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and He's available to all people. But Lord, John 3 is so clear. If we will not believe in Him, we will be condemned. So each night, this night, everyone has in front of them the most important and momentous decision of their entire life. Will I come to Jesus and receive the salvation He's earned, or will I walk away from it? Lord, help all of us to respond like the shepherds who ran to see this thing that God promised, and they found it, and it was real. And they went away from it, changed, and shared it with others. Because, Lord, the good news must not be kept to ourselves. It must be declared. We must declare Jesus to everyone. But God, I pray that in the next few moments, if someone needs in their heart to respond, help them in their own words to pray something like this. Lord, I know I need a Savior, and I ask Jesus to be my Savior. And may you simply say them through that simple faith. And may they then share that, maybe with someone who invited them, or maybe with me or someone else this evening as we have hot chocolate and cookies outside. In your name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, go to ebcraleigh.com. That's ebcraleigh.com.